If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like you to stand and turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. Mark, chapter 14. And we'll begin reading here this evening in verse 1, a couple verses of Scripture. Uh, This is familiar uh, as far as those of us that read through the Gospels. And um, I don't read through the Gospels as much as I should, but you talk about some precious truths of the Word of God. And um, I love the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. A lot of times God is allowing us to see the same thing just from a different perspective. And um, I love uh, the wonderful truth we find here in these Gospels. I love the Word of God. Amen. I love the Gospels. Mark chapter 14 and verse 1. After two days was the feast of the Passover and of of unleavened bread. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by craft and put him to death. But they said not on the feast day, lest there be an uproar of the people. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, of spikenard very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, Why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with ye always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me... You have not always. She hath done what she could. She hath come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of her for a memorial of her. You can go ahead and be seated tonight. And pray that God will speak to our hearts as we look at these passages of Scripture. I feel like as the days have gone on, and no doubt we are living in unsettled times, we're living in perilous times. There's no doubt it doesn't take a whole lot of looking around the world we're living to realize that. And I feel like just on my heart, God has had the, just the fact of the judgment seat of Christ on my heart. Uh, in, in just um, really more than usual. And God help us to live uh, with the judgment seat of Christ in view. Those of us that are saved and born again, uh, we ought to think on it a lot more than we do. I ought to think on it more than I normally do. And uh, it, I promise you, dear friend, if you're saved, we are heading to that judgment seat. Not a one of us that won't be there. And uh, tonight if you're not saved, you're heading to judgment as well. It's not going to be the judgment seat of Christ. It will be the white throne judgment. But there is no one uh, seated tonight at the Bible Baptist Church here. There's really no one in the city of Rossville, Georgia, North Georgia, uh, South Tennessee. There's no one in this area or in this country who is not on their way to judgment. And boy, I'm telling you, if you're saved, you've got something to rejoice about that you're not going to be judged for your sin. I'm telling you, I am thankful that my sins were judged at Calvary 2,000 years ago as the choir was singing. Oh, I tell you, God just bless my heart. I'm glad my sin debt has been paid for. Oh, I'm glad for that. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness 
of God in Him. And I can rejoice in salvation tonight, which is in Christ Jesus. But if you are saved, you are still, and I am still heading towards a time and a place where we will give an account to God for what we've done in our bodies. That's the judgment seat of Christ. Apostle Paul, uh, there, as he began to encourage the Corinthians, he told them, he said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He was talking to saved folks. He's talking about the judgment seat. Every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Every man's work is going to be tried of what sort it is. We are heading to the judgment seat. A lot of times, you know, we sing that song and, uh, you know, growing up, if you heard uh, Brother Sammy Allen preach much at all, you would have heard him uh, correct folks singing that song, everybody will be happy over there. And he'd always get up and he'd say, now, everybody will be happy, but not right away. Amen. And, uh, and that's the truth. A lot of times we just think that when Christ returns and I'm looking for his coming, I'm looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, in my living room yesterday, I thought, man, what would it be like just to hear the trumpet sound right now? And I'm looking for the blessed hope but a lot of times we just think that the shouting starts once we get carried out of this mess and dear friend we're heading to the judgment seat is where we're heading uh, the bride has to make her garments wide and, and we, we're, there's a whole lot of things that are going to have to be ironed out I don't know about you friend but uh, I, I want to be ready I want to live like I'm ready but um, I'd be foolish to assume that I am ready right now to meet the Lord and to give an account I want to be. We ought, we ought to strive to be. Oh my, it's going to be a fearful time when we realize how much we could have done, how much we should have done. And every man's work will be tried. If God will help us tonight, I want to look at this last phrase here in verse 8. And um, I want to look at this last verse that we read, second to the last verse. And... Uh, God is speaking about this. The Lord Jesus is speaking here about uh, this woman. And, and her, her name is not even mentioned in the text. And um, we, we can have some idea about who it may be. But in verse 3, the Word of God does tell us the location. And being in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, where God tells us there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment. Of spikenard, very precious, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And if you look back through uh, history and even a, a lot of um, folks that go through and they do excavation and, and um, digging for artifacts through Israel, they, un, they unearth these alabaster boxes quite frequently. If you go to Israel, you can, you can actually buy one, a little box made out of alabaster. And, and they varied in types. Uh, many of them, especially during that day, no doubt, would have held the, the perfume that they were used to hold. And, and as you come to the top of it, the neck would get very small uh, just to, to allow the smallest amount of that fragrance or that perfume to come out of that alabaster box. They're very delicate. And um, they were something that uh, probably in this lady's uh, family, it was very common for these boxes, these boxes made of alabaster to be passed down from one generation to another, it's very. It's. I mean, it's very plausible that this woman was given this very box that she breaks here in this chapter from her mother, and it may have been given to her from her great uh, grandmother and her great great grand. No telling how many generations uh, that this precious box had been passed down. Can you see her this evening? She comes to the Lord and she begins to pour this 
on his head and to anoint his head. And I I don't know if there was a uh, time period where she began to reason with herself, but can you see as she pours that ointment on the Lord and she realizes there's absolutely no way I can get all of this out. He's worthy of all of it. If I could get all of it out, I I really would. I've already surrendered all of this oil, every bit of it. I want Christ to have all of it, but I just can't get all of it out of there. I'd do a little bit more for the Lord. There's more I could give. God, I know there's more. and You're worthy of all of it. I just just can't break it. I'd have to break the top to get all of it, Lord. And I don't know whether there was some questioning that took place in this woman's mind, but the Word of God just accounts as a matter of fact that she, she break it. No regard for the priceless possession that she held in her hand. God says this was very precious. Not only was the content of the alabaster box precious, but uh, no doubt the alabaster box itself was also of Spikner, the most expensive uh, oining, anointing perfume that you could buy during that day. There was nothing that cost more than Spikner did. You know, it's amazing. As I look at, at my life and my walk with God so many times, it's so easy just to give a little bit. Just to do a little bit and say, Lord, this ointment's very precious. And God, it's so precious, I'm going I'm to give you just a couple drops of this precious ointment. And God, I love you. I appreciate you. I, I'm thankful you died on Calvary for me. And I'm thankful I get to go to heaven. And I'm glad this world's not my home. And I'm glad I have a blessed hope. And, and Lord, I, I want to do a little bit for you. That's not the kind of Christianity that this lady had. Can you see her? Now, there's a good possibility that, that this is Mary Magdalene. It's very possible that that's who this is. That's anointing the head of the Lord Jesus here in Mark chapter 14. And if that's so, can, can you see her? And just It wouldn't take a whole lot of mathematical equations to, to realize that Christ is worthy of everything. God, I wouldn't even be here tonight if it wasn't for Jesus. Lord, you deserve, it don't matter what I have to break. It don't matter what the cost is to show my love and dedication and appreciation. God, I'd be in hell tonight if you hadn't saved my soul, if you hadn't changed my life. Lord, you're worthy of everything. Can you see this woman as she breaks that alabaster box and she pours it on his head? The Bible tells us, and there were some that had indignation within themselves. It's an amazing thing, is it not? Many times it's church folks that get the maddest when someone moves forward with God. Sometimes it's it's quote-unquote saved family members, family members that, that claim to know the Lord that get the most upset when someone decides to step out by faith, surrender to the mission field. Give them more to faith promise given. I mean, the list could go on and on and on. But, but it seems like a lot of times it's them folks that are standing closest to, to Christ. It's people that are right here in the house at the feast. And Brother Gilbert, they're, 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 what a waste. What a waste. And they murmured. And they had an indignation within themselves. And they said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Look what Jesus said in verse 6. And Jesus said, let her alone. 
Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. You see, everyone that day and their criticism of this lady was focused on how much that could have been sold for and how much humanitarian work could have been done. 300 pence, Brother Terry, could have been given to the poor. I mean, we could have built a homeless shelter, Brother Brian. I mean, think about it. And all those things are good if you're preaching the gospel. I'm for it. I mean, go for it. Preach the gospel. People need to hear the gospel. But these folks aren't even thinking about that. They're just thinking about, my, we could have, I mean, we could have put a big notch on our belt if we would have had that money to go sell that. She wasted it on Jesus. I mean, look at her. What a, what a crazy woman she is. What a waste. And that's what, exactly what they said. Why was this waste of the ointment made? And Christ rebukes these individuals. And we know John chapter 12, uh, Judas Iscariot was probably the ringleader in all of this. And he had ulterior motives for sure. But it's not just Judas here. It's, it's several people that are all saying this. And Christ rebukes them and he said, let her alone. She hath wrought a good work on me. You see, she didn't come and anoint my head for you to give her a pat on the back. She didn't give this great sacrifice so that someone would give her a letter of accommodation and put her name on the outside billboard as member of the week. And that's not why she did this. Fellas, she, she's really not even here for any of you, so you might as well just be quiet. She did this for me. She's wrought a good work on me. Christ said, for the poor you have with you always. And you may do them good whenever you will. Fellas, if you wanted to do something for the poor, you could have been doing it for the past three and a half years. Ain't that right? I mean, why do you care about it now? You could have been feeding the poor a whole long while ago. He said, but me you have not always. Me you have not always. Time's running out. You're going to do anything for me, you better go ahead and do it now. And look what Christ said. She hath done what she could. And if God will help us tonight for just a few moments, we've belabored a little bit too much on the introduction. But if God will help us for a few moments this evening, I want to look at this phrase that Christ said about this woman. She had done what she could. I want to look at that in light of the judgment seat. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I believe with all my heart tonight. There's no greater words that could be spoken of anyone here this evening. Than the words from our Savior. He did. Or she did. What she could. I mean I pray that God would let that settle in. Pray that God would help us to grasp this truth this evening. Here's a woman she probably didn't have much. She obviously did not have any, didn't have a lot of standing in the community. Uh, this is a woman that didn't have a whole lot to offer, but she did what she could. And there was a lot of people, no doubt, that gave more than she did. Got a lot more commendation as far as the outward uh, you know, people around them that would have magnified someone besides her any day of the week. But, but Christ said about her, she did. What she could. And I got to ask myself the question tonight before God, realizing there is coming a day when I will stand before the Lord. We're going to give an account. Have we really done what we could? I mean, not have we done what others were doing, appreciate what they're doing, 
Now, have we done what they think we ought to be doing? But have I done what I could for the Lord? Now, listen, the Lord Jesus in John chapter 15, he made it clear to the disciples. He said, without me, ye can do nothing. And so uh, we want to keep this in the right perspective. I'm not talking about just trying to do more outward works. But I mean, in, in light of eternity, have I yielded my life? Have I submitted my life to the will of God? And in the power of the Holy Ghost, have I done what I could? Have I really done what I could? Let's look at three things real quick and we'll be done tonight. Have I witnessed? As much as I could. Have I really witnessed as much as I could? Now, I mean, listen, there's, there's been plenty of times when I could have stopped. I could have rolled down the window. I could have said a word for the Lord. I could have handed a gospel track. I could have left 30 minutes early and stood on the street corner and preached. I could have. Why didn't I? And I can make, listen, we're great at making excuses. I'm, I'm, I'm really good at it myself. I tell you, friend, though, when we stand before the Lord, them excuses aren't going to see too important. Have I witnessed as much as I could? Think about this. The Apostle Paul, heading up to Jerusalem, he knows he's getting ready to face a certain death. He calls the elders, the church there in Asia, and he begins to testify them in the book of Acts. And he said, I've not ceased from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greek repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I am pure of the blood of all men. Paul had only been there for a little over three years. And Paul could testify with a clear conscience. I've been here three years. And I am pure from the blood of all men. There is nobody that I have failed in one way or another to reach with the gospel. I mentioned Brother Allen already tonight. I'll never forget up there in Hendersonville, North Carolina, maybe two or three years, Brother Sam, before Brother Allen went home to be with the Lord, he was preaching. And they had to have someone help him as he was walking down the aisle and preaching. But he made this statement talking about Paul testifying there. He said, Paul was there for three years and he witnessed to everyone. And he called someone out sitting out there in the, in the camp meeting that afternoon, and just asked him, he said, how long have you been living at your house? He said, 23 years. He said, have you witnessed to everybody on your street? Boy, you talk about folks getting nervous. And, and God convicted my heart. Here's Paul, and he is a clean slate. He's pure of the blood of all men. He literally witnessed to everyone that he could. You better believe we're going to give an account for what we've done in our witnessing for the Lord. I, I wonder, I really wonder how, and I can just answer the question, no, I haven't. I've failed miserably, miserably witnessing as much as I could. Let me ask you this tonight. Let me ask myself, have I given all that I should? And it's great. I'm glad we get to witness, but a lot of times we don't like talking about giving but have I given all that I should? This dear lady in our, in our scripture tonight, she gave everything that she could, so she literally gave all that she should. 
You know, sometimes when we're considering missions given, the Lord's led us be in two missions conferences back to back, and it's hard not to preach on, on missions given when, when you just kind of been in that burden, under that burden. When we give an account to the Lord, not only are we going to give an account for what we've done, we're going to give an account for what we've, what we've given. And a lot of times when we look at giving to the work of God, I'm guilty of sitting down and kind of pulling up a spreadsheet and trying to factor it in and budget it in. And it seems, sometimes it seems like giving to the Lord is kind of based upon how things are looking budget-wise. And I promise you, friend, if the Lord don't come back in the next couple months, we're getting ready to face some, some economic times that our country has not seen in a very long while. And if we base our giving to the work of God off of what that spreadsheet says, we can go ahead and expect the work of God to start suffering as well. That's not how they did it, though, in the churches of Macedonia. In the great trial of their affliction, they gave more than they had been given. God blessed them more than they'd ever been blessed. But in light of the judgment seat tonight, have I really given all that I should? Have I? And then lastly, have I lived as he would? We, you know, Philippians 2, verse 5, where God tells, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself of no reputation. Took upon himself the form of a servant. And he was made in the likeness of flesh. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. Became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also highly exalted him, giving him a name which is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But he humbled himself, took upon the form of a servant. And that's exactly what this lady, this third verse of Mark 14 did. Can you see her taking that position of a servant, anointing the head of the Lord? You know, I heard a preacher say this, but we, don't mean, we don't really don't mind being called a servant until someone asks us to serve. Ain't that the truth? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of accommodation. He's a servant of the Lord. He's just, I'm just a servant of the Lord. And that sounds good, but I wonder if it's true. I wonder if it's true tonight in my own heart. Have I lived as he would? Christ said that she's come beforehand and anoint my body to the burying. And, 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 and the Lord Jesus, he said that, Throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of her for a memorial. Everyone else that day was speaking of her, of her but they were, they were gossiping about her. They weren't, they weren't commending her. But Christ said everywhere that this gospel's preach is going to be spoken of throughout the whole world. Can you imagine with me this evening? You know, Christ is, the Word of God tells us this is two days before the feast of the Passover. So here's the Lord. And he is literally hours away from being crucified. He's hours away from walking up Calvary's hill and laying his life down, being wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Can you see our Savior tied to that Roman whipping post just a couple days later? One of them soldiers comes back with that whip, that cat of nine tails to lay it across the back of our Savior. Where God tells us in Psalms 129 that the plowers plowed upon my back 
They may long their furrows. Can you see that Roman soldier as he comes back to hit our Savior again and turns to that other fellow and says, My goodness, what is that smell? I've had a lot of prisoners come through here. I ain't ever had one smell like he does. Oh, can, can you see that other guard turn to that Roman soldier with the whip in his hand and say, Yeah, I know what you're saying. I heard the story about him. Old Judas, turncoat, he, I heard him, overheard him telling the high priest about some crazy woman just two days ago. Broke the whole alabaster box and poured it all on. Can you imagine a crazy person would do that? You see that temple guard as he smites our Savior. Blindfolds him and says, prophesy who, who, who smote. My, 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 what is that smell? Oh, it must have been that woman down there in Bethany. I heard about her. Can you see the high priest? Can you see that aroma filling the whole judgment hall as they falsely condemn and accuse our Savior? And dear friend, I promise you tonight, on the authority of God's word, everywhere Christ went, from Bethany on through the Garden of Gethsemane on to Calvary, everyone was reminded of the sacrifice that an unnamed woman made anoint his body to the burying. Think about it. This normally just would be one or two drops. And she break the whole thing. Now tonight I wonder, I wonder, have you ever broken your alabaster box? Have you? Have I? Have I ever been to a place and if I have, how long has it been since I laid it all on the altar and said, Lord, it doesn't matter how precious this is. It doesn't matter how much I hold dear this possession, but you truly are worth it all. I wonder tonight, I wonder, She did what she could. Can God say that of me? Our sister's going to go ahead and start playing. Tonight the altar's open. If you join me down there here in a minute, I have a whole lot of rededicating to do myself. If we'll be honest with God, we could all do so much more. Have I done my best for Jesus? Have I broken my alabaster box or am I just hoping I can make it by? The Lord will be happy with just a couple drops of that precious ointment. Now God may not require all that of you, but dear friend, He surely won't turn you away. She did what she could. She gave what she should. Tonight she lived as He would. God help us this evening. God to help us to do the same.